Well, good morning, everyone. As Thomas already said, and as Pete already said, we're glad that you're here. And my hope and my prayer is that this morning, the sermon and the word of God would impact your life as it impacts mine. And with that said, we started a new sermon series called Who We Are. But before I go any further, if, if you want to, I would encourage you to already take your Bibles, open it, open it to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4, but primarily at verses 1 and 2. Um, but before we get there, this series that we've started as who we are, it's very important. We need to know, especially in the season as the people of God, who we are. Because when we know who we are, it helps shape and form our lives as to what's required of us even in this season. Now, as we started the sermon series, we looked at who God is at the very beginning of the sermon series because that's where we need to start. We need to know who God is. Because once we know who God is, then we can begin to understand who we are and what's required of us. And so the second sermon then, of course, having looked at who God is, we followed it up last week by looking at who we are. And what we saw as those who are followers of Christ, who have been born again through the work of the Spirit, been washed from our sins, been joined to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and now as children of God... We saw that we are the people of God, and as such, he has called us out, and he has put us on mission to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that Christ had commanded. Now, as a church, we hold to six attributes that we believe that every church should hold to. And these six attributes help us define or help us to understand and fulfill the mission that God has called us to. And so for the remainder of this series, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these attributes. And so today we're going to look at two of these attributes or these qualities that we as a church hold to that help us fulfill the mission that God has called us to. And we're going to look at two of the attributes today, which are bold preaching and purposeful discipleship. And what we're going to see through these two attributes today is that as the people of God, we are people of the word of God. This is incredibly important. And when I say that we are people of the word of God, I don't mean that this is just a book that sits on our shelf that we claim to believe. What I mean is that the word of God is central to our very way of life. The way we live this book helps us to define what that looks like. And so the first thing we want to do is we want to look at the attribute of bold preaching. Now, before we get into 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2... Just so that we understand, when Paul wrote this letter, Paul was on the verge of facing his execution, right? So it's not just that his liberties had been taken away. He'd been in prison for years. He'd been under house arrest or even in prison. And now he's facing execution, wrongful execution because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And so... 
he realizes the day is coming. It's coming near. And so what Paul does is he writes to his protege, Timothy, encouraging him to endure, to be bold, and to be faithful. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he lays a charge upon Timothy. Looking now at the word of God in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes to him as he nears his death, and he says, I charge you. Now that word right there, charge, isn't a suggestion. It's not an encouragement. This is a command. This is a forceful order. I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, here's his charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. Now, of course, you and I understand that when Paul writes to Timothy saying, preach the word, he's referring to the word of God that we all have either in a, in a printed format or in a digital format. We all have an abundance of it in our lives right now. But the question I want to ask this morning is, why on earth would Paul write to Timothy and command him explicitly to preach the word of God. I mean, is that not what's been happening? Is that not what they've been doing? And the answer is yes. Timothy has been preaching the word, but we also know that he's been bombarded with a lot of false teachers. People who were on one hand saying, yes, you, it, it, salvation is by grace through faith, but not until or apart from the law, you also have to have the law. And so you need to be circumcised if you're going to be saved by faith. And so they've got this convoluted, distorted view of the gospel, and they're infiltrating Timothy's church. And so he's saying, no, Timothy, I charge you, preach the word of God. Because you see, even in our day, this, this charge is laid to those who preach in the pulpits because we can do a whole lot of preaching and not actually preach the word of God in the way that God himself had intended his word to be preached. You see, some guys are so gifted and so talented that, excuse me, a little dry this morning. Some guys are so gifted that they can preach the index of the phone book and make you feel like you've been missing out. Right? That's the reality. Some guys are smart enough and intellectual enough that they can take their own ideologies and their own philosophies and they can, they can dress it up in biblical garb and make it sound like the word of God when in essence it's not the word of God. It does not align with the word of God. And a lot of what passes for preaching today in churches may not, and I would even be as bold as say, is not the preaching of the word of God. Remember, even Jesus himself said in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, in vain do they worship me. Listen, teaching as doctrines, meaning the doctrines of God, the commandments of men. So they've taken their own traditions their own legalisms, and turned these around and said, these are the doctrines of God. And the same is true in our day. There's a lot of preaching out there that comes across as very spiritual and seems very godly, and yet it does not align with the word of God. 
And so the question we need to ask then, questions that our elders need to ask, question that I need to ask myself as a preacher of the word of God is this. How then do we ensure that we're actually preaching the word of God? Because you see, I can stand up here this morning and have you turn from verse to verse and page to page and make it seem like I'm preaching the word of God when I'm really using the word of God to preach my own opinion. And it happens a lot. So how do we steer clear of doing that? And I would say this. One of the surest ways is by expository preaching. Now the question is, well, what's expository preaching? Expository preaching, if I can put it in the most, I'll try to put it in the most simple way, but it's hard to do. But expository preaching is where we draw out from God's word the intended truth or the original meaning that God meant to convey in any given passage to the original audience he was writing to. And once we've determined what that original truth is or that original message, then we can take that and we can apply it to our lives. And so... This is one of the surest ways to make sure that we're not preaching anything other than the word of God. And so our primary format here, RBC St. Thomas, is to preach expositorily. The irony is this morning, I'm not doing that. This morning, I'm preaching topically. But you can preach topically to point us to these truths, to, to show how we're to intended to preach. And so topical preaching has its, its purpose and its place. But when that becomes the primary format of preaching, it's very easy to begin to play fast and loose with the passages of Scripture, to take them out of context and begin to insert your own understanding of it or your own ideologies in it instead of what God had intended to say through that. And so we preach the word of God expositorily, and we preach the word of God with boldness. Boldness. And let me just point you to that word for just a moment. And in fact, it was even the apostle Paul's desire to preach with boldness. When he said in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, he says, To that end, keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Listen. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, the mystery of the gospel is part of the word of God. And so it's, the word of God can, is a reference to the entirety of the word of God. But when we make statements like this of the mystery of the gospel, it's still referring to the word of God. He goes, he goes on, that may be given to me in opening my, my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may hear, he goes again, de declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, when Paul was asking for prayer to preach boldly, he wasn't asking for prayer 
that he would have the energy and the stamina to preach the gospel in an angry, red-faced, pulpit-pounded, condescending manner to those, to those who were listening. That was not the intent. And here's the irony of all of this. That when we hear men who preach in that fashion, it's quite compelling. And it certainly draws a crowd. And we hear men who sometimes preach in a very angry tone or a condescending tone. And we stand often in awe and we go, wow, he's just saying it like it is. But that's not what Paul was asking for. And that's not what boldness in the word of God means here. That word boldness means this, means to simply speak freely, speak openly, speak accurately, laying out the word of God in a straightforward, unapologetic manner. That's it. To, to preach boldly does not mean to be rude, arrogant, or condescending. It's quite the opposite. It's just laying out the word of God matter-of-factly. Here's what it says. And the reason Paul wants to preach boldly is because truth hurts. Truth is uncomfortable. And often as preachers, there's this, there's this desire within us to want to soften the blow of truth. Because I want the people to like me. And I want the people when they walk out at the end of the service going, I really like him. But you know what? When we, when we go that direction, we've already failed the word of God. Because then I'm more concerned about people liking me than about people liking and loving God. And so we're called to preach the word word boldly, lay it out as God intended, without apology. And so, why do we preach the word of God expositionally here at our church? And I'll give you two reasons, and there's more. But always for the sake of time, we've got to keep things condensed. When we look back at this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 through 4... Paul writes to Timothy, he says, preach the word. Now listen to what he says. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, preach it when it feels like it's the right time and preach it when it feels like it's really awkward. Just preach the word, right? He goes on, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, helping the people understand why, right? And so... The word of God, we preach the word of God because the word of God reproves, rebukes, and exhorts. And then he goes on and he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, their own ideologies, their own philosophies. And can I just say this? In the season that we're in right now, the reality is many of us are actually struggling with this right now. 
We have our own ideologies. We have our own philosophies and our own opinions as to how things ought to be happening right now. But the reality is we cannot allow our own ideologies, our own opinions to come before the word of God. And so again, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We preach the word of God boldly in hopes of diverting people from wandering from the truth into myths. Secondly, Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us, for the word of God is living and active. Right? This is important. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit, of the joints and the marrows, and discerning of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, I may be telling you, here's my purpose for doing something, when it may not actually be, but the reality is the word of God, the word of God knows, and, and the word of God can separate what I'm hiding on the inside. It can, it can really separate what my thoughts are and my true intent behind the things that I want to do or should do or whatever, whatever is going on inside of my head. The word of God can separate it. So you see, the word of God works within us, revealing the truth of the hidden things of my heart. It's living and active. It's not just some stuffy old book. The word of God will reveal to others, and perhaps even to myself, what I don't recognize about myself. And it certainly reveals it to God. So the preaching of God's word is not simply just passing along information for the sake of knowledge. The word of God when preached is doing something. It's active. And so we preach God's word boldly because it's living and active, working within us to show us the truth about ourselves. So yes, here at Redemption St. Thomas, we preach expositionally to understand the Lord's original message to the original audience so that we can rightly understand it and then apply it to our lives. And because the word of God is living and active, it exposes who we are on the inside. And so that's the first point this morning. Our second attribute that we hold to reveals that we are people of the word of God and it actually correlates with bold preaching. And, and the second attribute is that of purposeful discipleship. Now you might be wondering for a moment, you're like, how do these correlate with one another? And it's quite simple. See, when Jesus commanded us to make disciples of all nations, in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, along with that, he commanded us to baptize these new believers, these new disciples, and to teach them everything that he had commanded. 
And so here at Redemption St. Thomas, we strive and we're working towards being purposeful in discipleship, using the word of God for discipleship as Jesus had commanded us. And discipleship happens in various forms. It happens when we spend time reading and praying over and studying and unpacking the word of God on our own. It happens, excuse me, when we prayerfully sit under the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. And it can happen in small groups or it happens in small groups where we intentionally discuss and learn how the word of God preach applies to our lives. Now, having made those three statements, do you notice the connection between these elements in the different forms of discipleship? It's all rooted in the word of God. You see, the word of God is the basis for all the various forms of discipleship. And here's why. When we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, and if you've been a Christian for any time, you know this passage. Listen, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Remember, we are people of righteousness. So when someone comes to faith in Christ, they're a new disciple. The question is, what's next? What now? They need to be taught in who they are. They need to be taught about their identity in Christ. They need to be taught that they are now a people of righteousness and how that manifests in their life. He tells us in verse 17, here's the purpose, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. See, this now brings us back to our purpose. The, he has called us and he's put us on mission. So it's the word of God that molds and forms and shapes us to do what he's called us to do and to be what he's called us to be. And so it's not our personal philosophies or traditions that help us change and make us who God intended us to be. No, it's the word of God alone. So in our various forms of purposeful discipleship, we are intentional about basing it on the word of God. There is no higher wisdom that you and I can turn to. There's no psychology. There's no intellect that's higher than the word of God. Nothing out there can help us become who God has called us to be more than the word of God. The word of God was literally breathed out by God. They are the words of God. And not only that, but remember that God's word is the sustenance that we need to thrive as disciples of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And where are you going to find those words? Here, here, right here. The word of God not only directs us as to how we ought to live in a world that's filled with chaos and confusion, 
But just like food gives us the nourishment needed for our bodies, the word of God provides us with spiritual nourishment needed for us to be healthy spiritually, to be healthy followers of Christ, healthy believers. And that's why, for example, you can turn to almost any page in the scripture and you'll find verses that affirm this. For example, Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path, right? It's the word of God that keeps us walking in the path of truth and righteousness, and it keeps us from walking in paths of sin. When we look at Psalm 119, verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, it all comes back to the word of God, and it's the word of God, folks, it's not the government, it's the word of God that brings freedom and liberty. When we look at John chapter 8, again, the words of Jesus, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And listen, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's the word of God. And he's not merely talking about elementary elements of this world. He's talking about eternity, right? There's freedom to be had in eternity when we come to Christ, when we look into the word of God. And the reason the word of God sets us free is because that in all things, the word of God leads us to Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we are set free from the bondage of sin. In Jesus Christ, we are set free from the power of death. In Jesus Christ, we are set free from the righteous condemnation of God for the sins that we deserved. We're set free to live for God in a world that has rejected him and does not know him. And this leads me to my third point this morning. So we've looked at two attributes, but these attributes are rooted in the word of God. But there's one thing, we can't close this sermon without looking at this third and final point, and that is the nature of the word of God. You see, we often think that the word of God is simply words on paper. And yes, this is a book and it is words on paper. It absolutely is. And that's what it is. And so this book one day will no longer exist. This book will decay and be gone. This paper and with the ink on it will be gone. But here's the thing. The word of God is not just a map to God. It is not just an instruction manual. It's not just a book that reveals truth. We must remember the nature of the word of God. And we begin to understand that when we turn to John chapter 1 and we look at the verse, first four verses. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. 
Interestingly, it, person, per, excuse me, it personifies the word of God. He was with, he was in the beginning with God. And listen, listen to how it personifies the word of God. All things were made through him. Who? The word of God. And without him, who? The word of God. Was nothing made that was made in him. Who? The word of God was life. And the life was the light of man. Do you see how the word of God is personified? It becomes a person. And then you go to John chapter 1 and you scroll down to verse 14. And there we read, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the logos. That's the Greek word for it. So you see, the word of God is not just a bunch of rules or guidelines or truths stuffed in a book. Jesus is the word. So you see, the reason our attributes of bold preaching and purposeful discipleship are based on the word of God is because it will lead us to Jesus. And if it doesn't lead us to Jesus, then we're preaching wrong and we're teaching wrong because the whole word of God is Christocentric, meaning it points us to Jesus. And that's why, that's why we don't just believe the word of God. We do believe, but we don't just believe the word of God. We don't just obey the word of God. But we do obey it, but we don't just obey it. Listen, it's why we love the word of God. We do. If you are a follower of Christ, you love the word of God. It's not just a book of rules. Jesus is the word. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, and this is just a bonus point this morning, that in days of old, God would speak through prophets. But now, in these last days, it says, he has spoken to us through his son, Jesus, because he is the word. So you see, it's not just a bunch of rules. It's not just a bunch of guidelines. It's not just a bunch of truth stuffed in a book. It is Jesus. And so we love the word of God. And parents, can I just encourage you, and I say this often to those of you who've spent time with me, one of the best things you can do for your children is to not use the word of God in this sense. Well, that's what the Bible says, so that's just it, right? We believe the Bible and you just obey it, right? And it, it, there's a disconnect when we do that. It's when our kids begin to see that I spend time in this word because I love this word. I love what's written in here because... The word is Jesus. 
And so show your children that you love the truth of God, that you love the word of God, because that's one of the ways that you can demonstrate to your children that you love God. To love the word is to love God, which is to love Jesus. And that's why, brothers and sisters, the word of God is living and active. In fact, you can go back to Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, where we read, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, listen, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. We preach the word of God boldly because the word is active. The word is doing something. So we don't soften the truth of the word of God. It's working within us. It draws those who are far from Christ, that don't believe in Christ, and works within them by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring truth and enlightenment so that they are saved. It takes those who are disciples who are already saved and helps them to grow and to become more like Christ. It convicts us of sin and of righteousness so that we know how to live. And that's why we read in places such as Romans 12, verse 2, not to be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to renew your mind? By the word of God, so that you can prove that which is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So the Bible is not just information. It's a word that makes us Become more like Jesus. It points us to Jesus. And it helps us to love Jesus as we get to know him through the word. I love how Jeff Terrell, one of the pastors and a good friend within the GCC, who pastored Ascend Church in Kansas City, he said it this way. Preaching the word of God and listening to the word of God is not about, listen, growing theological fatheads or gaining information. But oh, how often that happens, isn't it? We just, we just compile all the information because it's, it's resting in our head, but it hasn't traveled those 12, unless you're taller, 16 inches down to your heart, right? But the goal in preaching is never just to give us information so that we can become spiritually arrogant. It's to transform us. It's to make us see the beauty and the glory and the preciousness of Jesus Christ. It's to humble us before him and to help us to realize we don't deserve it and we can't earn it, but he's given it to us. And so therefore, therefore, because he gave himself, because he first loved me, I now can love him. Because through him, I've been reconciled to God and I've become a child of God. So it has nothing to do about developing theological fat heads. You see, bold preaching freely 
and straightforwardly laying out the word of God as God intended points us to Christ. And through purposeful discipleship based on the word of God, we apply it to our lives to become more like him so that when people begin to look at us, even in all our brokenness, even in all our weakness, they begin to see the reflection of Christ in us. And God is glorified. And Christ is exalted. Our kids' ministry is intentionally based on the word of God. Our youth ministry is based intentionally on the word of God. And, and I've already seen all the teaching and the preaching that Thomas is going to do with youth for the next, what is it, four, five, six months? I forget what it is. And it's very intentional. It's very word-oriented. Your kids are going to get the truth. And I'm excited about that because we're intentional about it because what your kids need along with you as you are teaching your kids the word of God, they need more of the word of God. And so as you, mom and dad, teach your kids, they're going to come to you and we're going to affirm what's being taught. So it's not just what mom and dad believe because, you know, sometimes kids have this tendency to kind of back away and question what mom and dad believe. But when someone else says it, all of a sudden it seems to have more importance. I don't get that, right? I had kids and my kids are here today and they, they, yeah, they know what I'm talking about. I could tell them the same thing and it was like it fell out of their ears. And then they would come across someone from church and they'd be like, oh, you know what this guy said? I'm like, I'm telling you that, right? And so in our youth ministry, we want to help affirm what you're teaching your kids at home. And for those who don't get it at home, they're going to come and they're going to be fed by the word of God so that they'll be pointed to Jesus so that they can come to Jesus and they can love Jesus. Oh, so we need bold preaching of God's word and we're going to get it in our kids' ministry and it's going to be in our youth ministry and it's going to continue here in our services and we're going to be purposeful in our discipleship. Because here's the thing. Without these elements, we rob ourselves of becoming who God intended us to be. But more importantly, we miss out on knowing Jesus. Jesus is not just some guy who died 2,000 years ago to help you, if you want, to escape hell. Jesus is precious. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And he is perfect in his being. He is perfect in love. And he demonstrated that by laying down his life for us. So that's why these elements are important. Bold preaching, purposeful discipleship based in the word of God. And so that as we get to know Jesus... And we bow before Jesus and we submit ourselves before the king of kings. He builds us up. And we become more like him. And then we have the incredible privilege and honor of bringing glory to him. In a world that's in darkness and falling apart. Are you on board? Are you on board do you love the word of God? If you don't, I would invite you this morning to come to Jesus. 
He tells us in John chapter 6 that he'll, anyone that comes to him, he will in no ways cast out. Come to him today. And even if you may doubt his existence or reality, know this. Know this. I want you to know because we love you. Christ is real. And he's coming back. Don't let that pass you by. And if you are already in Christ, can I just encourage you to continue to immerse yourself in the word of God and to see Christ poured out on every page and then come together with the body of Christ and then encourage one another, whether it's in small groups or whether it's in youth ministry, whether it's in kids ministry, there's all these wonderful opportunities where we can be purposeful about discipleship and help other people to see the beauty of Jesus and to help them grow in Christ's likeness, all for the glory of God. The opportunity is there for us. May we be faithful to the Lord and to his word. Pray with me. Oh, Father, this morning, although we've preached about preaching and discipleship, I pray, Lord, that I would have been able to help your people turn back to the word and to see the preciousness and the beauty of your word as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, would we not, would we not be negligent of that, Lord? Oh, Father, I pray that you would increase our love for you and that you would increase our love for your word, that when we look into your word, we see Jesus Christ. We see, we see you in all your fullness and all your perfection and all your radiant beauty, Lord, and to realize that there is nothing in this world, there is nothing in this world that is more precious than Jesus Christ. There is no higher purpose we can live for than Jesus Christ. And there is no purpose we can live for that is going to have an impact on us for all eternity like living for Jesus Christ. So Father, would you just fill our hearts with the love of Christ? Would you just allow us to see his beauty and his radiance and his glory? Would you allow us to see that through your word, that there is no greater life than to pour out our life for you. So we thank you for the word. We thank you that we have it in many different forms, whether it's digital or on paper. But Father, keep us true in preaching and keep us intentional in our discipleship and keep us rooted in your word for the sake of Christ. In his name we pray, amen.